Hello and welcome to our newest rendition of The Cold Hard Truth. Today I am doing the intro because Jacob is blowing his nose in the back room with a brown paper towel. Connor, how are we today? I'm good, Peyton. How are you doing? I am just fantastic, Connor. Um, Jacob, it's good to see you. Yeah, there he is. How are you today, Welcome back. You know, I just wanted to blow my nose, and now my intro spot is gone. Jacob, I don't know if your mic is working. Hold on. I believe it should be. I can't hear you, but we'll just pretend like it's working. All right. All right, well, uh, we have a big show for you guys today. Uh, You know, not much going on uh, right this week due to the haltage of the NBA, which will return tomorrow night. Um, NHL is going in, in full Full fortune, only about 20-something games to play. And the NFL, of course, is now done. So uh, I think Peyton's going to start us off with some hockey, which we're all uh, excited about today. Yeah, so I got a couple questions just off the top of the dome. Um, As a Bruins fan, I'm really excited about Jeremy Swayman. I think if anybody's been watching the Bruins, they should be excited about this guy. He's 3-4 and in his last four starts. He has 22-11 on the season with a .925 save percentage and a 2.09 goals against average, which is pretty good. Um, Can this guy be the shutdown number one goalie for the Bruins in the future? Is Linus Allmark a good backup? Where do we see the Bruins' goaltending situation going now that Rask is out of the picture? Is Swayman that guy? Well, you know, I haven't really seen Swayman play that much other than when he played the Rangers uh, last week. I I think it was uh, at the Garden, and he played really well. He went to a shootout. So, uh, and he obviously played uh, really well in that game. So, um, I don't know that much about him to say that he's a number one goalie going forward, but yeah. obviously having a guy like Olmark back there, too, is uh, yeah, a really good tandem for the Bruins. Yeah, it's definitely nice to see. I guess this was more of a question, just more of a, a way for me to talk about Jeremy Swayman and his talents. Um, I'm super excited about the guy uh, to come in and, and play with the confidence he has. I know it's only his first couple seasons, but I really think that next year he's going to be the, the shutdown number one starter for this team. And um, going forward, it's just really nice for Bruins fans to know that we have somebody in that. Because um, I know when Tuka, the whole Tuka situation, whether he was retiring or whether he was going to play or wasn't going to play, was kind of resting on our minds and getting us a little bit worried, especially in terms of playoff implications. We know how important it is to have a goaltender. So um, definitely nice to see Swayman pick it up and go three and four in his last four. Um, my second question about the Leafs, more particularly Austin Matthews, a guy named Paul Bissonette, big, big sports guy. I think we all know Paul Bissonette from Spit and Chicklets, made a proclamation that Austin Matthews is the best Maple Leaf of all time. That isn't necessarily my question. My question is, is Matthews the best pure scorer in the league at the moment? And some stats to back this up. This year, he's 35 goals on the season, which is second only behind Leon Dreisaitl, who has 20 or 36, excuse me. Last year in 2021, he had 41 goals, which led the league. In 1920, he had 47 goals, which was only behind David Pasternak, who had a hell of a year in 1920 with 48 goals. So in your guys' opinion, is Austin Matthews the most pure scorer, the most lethal scorer in the NHL at the moment? Connor, I'll lead it to you first. Um, you know, between him and Ovi, I would have to say Matthews. I mean, Ovi has been that face of the NHL in terms of scoring goals for as long as he's been in the NHL. So, you know... Having having Matthews now come in, he's starting to get his feet wet with his uh, many uh, good seasons under his belt here, and I think he's ready to take over for Ovi when uh, when uh, Ovi uh, leaves the league here pretty soon. I agree in thoughts. I know I know we're you know we probably don't all watch the Toronto Maple Leafs very much. Don't get me wrong, but is he the best Leaf of all time? I think it's a pretty big proclamation from Biz. If I had to think about a couple guys that might be in that conversation for me, it's Doug Gilmore and Matt Sundin. Mm-hmm. I think those are two really, really, really good Leafs who were with the Leafs for a very long time, spent the majority of their career there, if not 
more than three-fourths of their career with the Leafs. I think those are two names that is kind of hard to argue against. But in the time that Matthews had in the league and the amount of points he's put up and just his ability, not only in the O zone but in the D zone, you know, to be able to strip pucks off guys even in his first game in the NHL, he stripped the puck off Eric Carlson, who at the time had just come off a Norris trophy. Yep. I mean, to do that in your first game in the NHL and not only do that, score four goals, mm-hmm. it was a pretty good indication of what this kid was going to be. But... I mean, I think he's been lights out. In my opinion, he's probably the best goal scorer in the league at the moment just for the fact that he's so consistent. Again, Pasta had that one year with 48. It was a really hot year, but he hasn't really been able to capture that sense. Kucherov does have one hell of a shot, but he hasn't. You know, he's not always healthy. They kind of hold him. They play with his cap a little bit. And Tampa, it's more about winning than it is singular play. I think Toronto, they haven't won much. So Matthews has kind of been carrying the load a little bit. But, um, yeah, I just wanted your opinion. I appreciate uh, your guys' thoughts. My last question. I keep talking about the Blue Jackets. Probably pissing people off because I'm talking about the Blue Jackets. <laughs> Nobody cares about the Blue Jackets. But they're 8-2-0 in their last 10. So with 53 points, they're 12 points behind the Capitals. But the Capitals have two games on them. So could we see a scenario where the Blue Jackets jump the Capitals and, and bridge that 12-point gap and somehow sneak into the playoffs and even make a, a low-key playoff push? Again, I want to reiterate, Patrick Laine, 11 goals in his last six or seven games, I believe. Something to the tune of 18 points in his last six or seven games on a crazy, crazy tear. Uh, just coming off a win against the Maple Leafs in overtime where they started rookie goaltender. I can't remember his name, but he was a rookie. It was only his second start. To beat the Maple Leafs in overtime with a rookie goaltender in net is a pretty big feat, especially considering how hot the Maple Leafs have been this year and how many goals they've been scoring. Um, Connor, I'll turn it to you. Do you think that the Blue Jackets could jump over the Capitals? Uh, well, I think it's certainly possible, but I think it's uh, a little too late for that. Um, you know, they do have 30-some-odd games left, so it clearly is possible. But I, I just think, like, a, uh, a veteran team like the Caps aren't going to let this sort of slip away. That's you know where I'm, I'm at with it. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. Like, it looks... It, it, judging off the numbers and, and, and the amount of games left, it looks possible and feasible. But deep down in my heart... It's really hard to see Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. Yeah, you know the only thing with the capital is Capitals is Samsonov and Vanacek have been shaky to say the least. Um, I think the kid they brought in Fukali, who's who was an unrestricted or unsigned free agent starting last year, has played better than Samsonov and Vanacek. So their goaltending situation is shaky. But it's hard to see the Capitals dropping that many points and letting the Blue Jackets pass them. So I'd agree with you. Yeah. I think it's possible. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. That kind of ends my hockey topics. Sorry to end so short for you, Jacob, but I kind of need your help. Uh, no, I, I thought I thought that was a great job. I mean, I, I'm just thinking to myself in terms of the the Matthews debate. Um, he may be the most consistent out of the top guys, but you know, it's where it's it's difficult to rank him in relation to a Stamkos, a Pasta, or an Ovechkin, who are obviously a little older than he is. Probably like having a more Built up a resume, perhaps, but I don't know if they are as good now as Matthews, is, which is where it kind of gets tricky. You have a good argument because a guy like Stamkos, his first three years in the league was dropping forty to you know forty fifty goal seasons yeah. consistently, and he, he had the most lethal shot in the game. I think a guy like Stam, I think people were talking about Stamkos very similarly to the way they talk about Matthews now, back when Stamkos was young and in his quote unquote prime. Um, so I, I think it's a good point, and it's definitely hard because Matthews has had such a short career so far. But just for the amount of points he's put up and the amount of time he's been in the league and his confidence, his swagger, just his ability overall, again, not only in the O zone, but the D zone to strip pucks off of D-men and to just make plays in the neutral zone and just be consistent all around the ice. I don't know. Again, I know my question was about pure score, but still, this guy is just a lethal, lethal talent. 
And in terms of consistency, it's really hard for me to find guys that are as consistent as Austin Matthews at putting the puck in the back of the net. And that's why I believe he is the most lethal scorer in the NHL at the moment. But, again, my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, looking at his numbers right now. 233 goals, and the dude's 24 years old. That's what I'm trying to tell you. 413 points in 381 career games. Over 30, I mean, that's over just, 30 goals in every season he's played in the NHL. That is, that is unreal. That, I mean, in the amount of time that he's had, I mean, consistency. Like, we talk about sophomore slump. This guy hasn't had a peep of that. I mean, it's been a consistent, positive trajectory ever since his rookie year. It's been up. And it's not up. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he's going from 30 goals to 50 goals, but it's 30 to 33 to 37 to 41. You know what I mean? And it's a slow rise. And he's not too big for his britches. He's not, you know, over. Yes, he's cocky and yes, he's confident, but that team hasn't won. And it's not like he hasn't taken the brunt of that blame. He's still putting up numbers. That's one of the hardest markets to play in. Phil Kessel. God, God bless killed. him. One of the best scorers of his time. I yeah. mean, one of the most lethal shots I've ever seen in my life. Snapshot like no other. Got ran out of there. Mm-hmm. And he put the puck in the back of the net like nobody else for his time in Toronto. So, again, for how much they've lost, how disappointing they've been in the playoffs, how upsetting they've been, man, is he still putting on for himself at least. Um, again, I can't speak for the rest of the Leafs. I think Mitch Marner has been fairly really disappointing, yeah. but... Man, he's carrying his own weight, and I can say that for him. I don't know if I can say that for the rest of the guys, i.e. John and Tavares and, and, and Mitch Marner and their goaltending situation. I don't want to talk about the fact they got rid of Freddie Anderson. I think it was the dumbest thing they could have done in their yeah, lives. Right, right. But, yeah, you have fun with Jack Campbell and see how far that gets you into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, th- this is going to be the narrative with Matthews until he can prove that he can take his team and go win in the playoffs. He's going to be a, an amazing regular season scorer, and then they're going to get to the first round and lose. It's that, fair. That's really what they've been doing ever ever since he's come into the league. But, you know, 40 goals as a rookie. I mean, un- unbelievable. Yeah, but I think you look at guys that, that are scorers. Look how long Ovechkin put up numbers. Yeah. Look how long it took him to get a cup. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because you're – look at McDavid. McDavid puts up astronomical points. That doesn't really matter. No help. Like in the playoffs, it's such, it's not about, it's never been about points. No. Look at the Bruins. In in 2010-2011, we had Mark Recchi on the second line. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that guy was 40 years old. We had Milan Lucci. Like these guys shouldn't have been there. But playoff hockey is a different game than regular season. It's a a different sport. And for those who have watched it, understand that. It's a completely different thing. And scoring, for all that it is great, once you get into the playoffs, those final six to eight teams, every goalie on that on those teams are lights out. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? You got Soros, Markstrom, uh, Shesterkin, Bobrovsky, Cam Talbot, uh, Freddie Anderson. All these names are guys that are brick walls. Absolutely. Their goals against average is nuts. I mean, I don't care how many goals you're scoring against mediocre teams. Not to say that Matthews doesn't deserve all the all the praise for all the goals he scored, but in reality, as we've seen, it does nothing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It does nope. absolutely nothing for them. But I completely agree. It's going to be the narrative for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the again. I, I he will be the best scorer of all time. No, all right. I mean, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe pass Ovechkin. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to play as long as Ovi has. Ovi's real old, and he's still playing at a high level. But for the time he's a Leaf, and for the next five to ten years, this guy is going to be putting up 35-plus goal seasons every year. And until they win a cup, he's not going to be regarded as as special as he should be. But I think that kind of ends it for my hockey talk. Yeah, I thought thought it was great. And, uh, you know, we'll keep uh, hockey within the conversations as there is just under – 
What about 30 games to play? 30 games to play. Want to mention pushing for the playoffs? I think we should absolutely mention Quinnipiac's 12th straight, I believe, or 11th straight home win Yale has not against won. Yale. Yale has not won since 2011. 2011, yep. Um, just in general, going forward, we got two against games Quinnipiac, this weekend. Let me, let me rephrase. Um, at home, last two regular season games of the year. I mean, how confident are you in our uh, in our team here going into the playoffs? Extremely. I think our goaltending is probably the most underlooked part of our team. I think we have a great one-two punch. Obviously, our one is better than our two. I don't think by a lot, but I think that's a major, major contributor to this team's success. I mean, offensive firepower for days, defensively sound. I mean, their PK is great. Their power play has been lackluster. Very, very poor power play. Very, very poor power play, which is weird because I'd like to see them run it through Ty a little bit more, and I'm talking about Ty Silmanak. I don't know if I said his last name correctly. I apologize if I I butchered your name, (laughs) sir. But um, I'd love to see him run it through him a little bit more. I'd love to see him get a little bit more time up higher in the zone. I think they play him a little bit too low below the dot, and I don't think they give him enough enough of an angle to maybe make a pass. I think they're looking for a one T from him all the time from that right dot because he's a lefty. But I think if you moved him up and you moved the umbrella a little bit and you just shifted back slightly and he kind of positioned instead of being at below the circle a little bit above the circle, maybe top of the circle, and he had a little bit more range of motion to get over the blue line and maybe make a couple passes cross ice, I think you'd have a lot more success. I think a lot of their failure on the power play is just the fact that their puck, the puck is constantly low. They just they cycle low, they cycle low, they cycle low, they keep possession. They don't get shots. I really think if they put Ty up top and they got him a little bit higher up in the zone, that they might be able to draw the defenders out a little bit more, create a little bit more space low, and maybe get a couple more shots on. Because for me, they just don't get enough shots on the power play, um, which just isn't good enough. If you get a, if you get a power play against a good team, you you better bet you're, you're putting that puck in the back of the net against a good team because that is your best chance at a man advantage to get a goal. So um, that's the only thing that really worries me. Again, I think their goaltending is definitely stout and underrated. Um, and I think they have a great chance in the Frozen Four. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I really do. Yeah, look, you know, they can they can survive the rest of the regular season, but like uh, like you said, they really need to get Ty going. He only has like two goals in his last like 14 games or yeah, so. Yeah. He's, he's been really struggling, and you can see it on the ice when he gets frustrated. So, you know, when... If they get him going, uh, going into the playoffs and into the Frozen Four, like you said, I, I think that they have a good chance as anyone to go win a national championship. I agree. I, I think it, I think it really is about finding the best position for your best players. Again, to say, Ty, only two goals in his last 14. That's, that, that kid should be putting up seven to eight goals in 14 games, at yeah. least, in my opinion. He has the skill. He has the talent. You can see it when he skates. I mean, and again, their power play as a whole, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's players. I don't know if it's personnel. I don't know if they need to switch or need to try something new, but a power play is a pretty simple concept, and with, with the talent they have, they really should be putting more pucks in the net, and I wish they had more creativity in that sense. And I think in general, I think I wish they had more creativity in the ozone. I think they play really good defensively, and they do play very good on the fast break when you do have an odd man rush, ten, like two-on-ones, three-on-ones, high, high percentage chances they tend to score, which you should. But I think when the going gets tough and when it's a close game and when they're having trouble down low and when they're not getting odd man rushes and they're playing a good defensive team, I think it could be hard for them to find that offensive creativity and that that fire to get that, that, that extra goal, whatever it may be, to push them into the frozen four, to push them farther into the tournament, to really make them you know, a household name and maybe a national champion. Yeah, and uh, like you said also, goaltending's been huge for this team. I mean, uh, Yanni Peretz, what does he have, like 11, 12 shutouts yep, already 11, this year? That's what, that's what I'm saying, man. It is unreal, but, you know, goal. I mean, goaltending can only take you so far. They're going to need to put up goals if they're going to play these really good teams down the stretch here. So um, I, I agree, I agree, but I, I, think, I think in a way, again, for people 
hockey especially, the, the goaltender is a massive position, and it is a position that can completely take over a game, if, 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 to be honest. Um, and, and again, I know they're going to play good teams, and they're going to face a lot of really good offensive firepower, but if that goalie stands on his head, we could get away with just staying the way we are and, you know, putting away our, our a couple high percentage chances and getting away with a win. But if that goalie's not standing on his head, they got to find a way to put the puck in the net more because it's just not enough at this point to compete with the best teams in the nation. Um, but yeah, that's a little note about Quinnipiac ice hockey. Great win against Yale. We love to see it. Yeah, unbelievable. And hopefully we can uh, avenge our earlier season loss this Friday night against Cornell at yeah, home. Please. Tough one. Really, really, really tough um, game. So I'm going to lead us right into uh, about 10 minutes of NBA. It was a big weekend for the NBA, the All-Star game going on in Cleveland. Um, you know, first I think we should just touch on, uh, you know, the, the various competitions and then the game just real quick, uh, starting with probably the worst dunk contest in human history, if you guys want to give a few words each about that. I just, I don't, I don't understand it, really. It was just really, I think the part that really got me was when D-Wade and whoever was sitting next to D-Wade was like... Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. They, they called it anticlimactic, basically. They said they, they wish they switched up the order because it was anticlimactic. And, and I could not agree more. Obi Toppin was the best performer in the dunk contest. I think that's saying enough that Obi Toppin was your best guy. Jalen Green looked like he gassed out before he put up his second dunk. I mean, it was just a joke. It didn't look like they cared. It didn't look like it was competitive. It just looked like we're here to have some fun and joke around and maybe, you know, throw a couple lobs up or whatever. But I went back and I watched the 2016 championship round between Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. And boy, did both of those guys want to win. When Aaron Gordon got snubbed on the the tomahawk Mm -hmm. back between his legs, back to tomahawk behind the back, when he got a 47 on that, his face he was angry. Uh-huh. He was genuinely upset, and he felt like he got snubbed. That's a dunk competition, a competition, a competitive competition where two guys want to win. Again, I love the All-Star Game. I love the shows and the, the lights and whatever. It's all great and good. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we're here to compete, right? Like, uh, even with the—I don't want to go off topic too much, but even with the NFL, like— I liked, so when the, lame. I liked when the All-Star games were slightly realistic. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's like, the worst thing. I don't want to so watch. Bad. Like, who the hell is going to pay five grand to go to Maui and watch two-hand <laughs> touch? I mean, who the hell cares? Real, the, seriously, it's though. Like, yeah. like, it's awful. And it, it, it's just getting worse. Uh, Connor, I'll turn it to you, but... I'll, obviously, yeah, I'm happy that Obi won. He's a Nick. I mean, the Knicks aren't going anywhere this year, so that's probably one of the highlights of the season right there. But, you know, yeah, same thing with the dunk competition. I mean, they're they're giving guys like six, seven attempts to go do a dunk, and they're missing, like I said, like six or seven times. It's a joke. Like, the stadium was silent. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even like a big, like, uproar. When they like when when Zach Levine put down that between the legs from the half court line, people were going crazy. You had Draymond Green and like they're all like yeah. cousins and like John Wall going nuts, mm-hmm. like losing their minds. They're literally storming the court halfway through the dunk. I mean, absolute joke and an absolute shame, and not even worth watching on TV. Not even worth putting your eyes to work to see it. Honestly, it was terrible. And thoughts on the game? Uh, just Steph Curry. Is yeah, it's all I say. Did we Steph. see him late in the game shooting all those three pointers? And I mean, did, I mean, there was a picture of him with his back turned with the ball midway through the air, and it like he's he's unreal. I, I kind of really wish, like no words to describe him. I kind of wish he played that loose in the regular season. I kind of wish he like had a little bit more of that. Kind of feel like he's lost a little bit of that, and maybe this All Star game was his like 
is real. Maybe it was like a, a little bit of a recentering where you're still here. I'm still, I'm still Steph. I'm still yeah. that guy. I can still, I can still have fun. You know, mm-hmm. I like when like Steph's MVP year where Clay was out. I think it was what was it two years ago or whatever. Well, he, did he win MVP? He won MVP, right? Who Steph? Two years he's ago? got more. He's got two. Yeah. It looked like he was having fun when he was when he was averaging thirty five points a game. It looked like he was just out there playing loose. In that All Star game, he looked loose as ever. And all I'm saying is, I just I just wish he had a little bit more of that this year because it seems like he's lost it a little bit. But well, that perfectly bridges into me into my next question, which is going to take this kind of fun topic so far into a little bit more of a serious one. Many, many, many friends of mine have said over the years, and I mean since he, just about after his second MVP, if not the year after, that he has already jumped Magic Johnson as the best point guard ever to live. Do you guys think that that is true? And I, and everyone says, well, you know, whatever, he's not a true point guard and what and whatnot. He plays the point guard position. He's going to be ranked as a point guard. He's not going to be ranked as a shooting guard. If you're ranking point guards and you were making a list, who would be first? Would it be him or Magic Johnson? Are we ju- are we judging off of what we've envisioned as stereotypical point guard to be? But 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 no. But I hate that question because no one asked that question about other positions. Dirk's not a stereotypical because, big because, man because, because but because, here, here's a, here, I think they're both equally talented. Here's the difference. I think Magic was way better a passer, and I think Steph is way better a shooter. Well, hundred percent. So yeah. what? So it comes down to what do you value more? Do well, you what val- do you value do you, more? That's, I guess that's the question. I'd say Magic because not only defense, not only court general, not only great passer, not only great vision, but fast break speed. The ability to get the ball from one end of the floor to the other. Steph's got speed, don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of Steph's speed is exerted in off-ball movement, which is great. Don't Again, don't get me wrong. And shooting threes is more valuable than, than assisting for, for layups, again, in today's game. But I think if I was starting a team tomorrow and I had to draft a point guard, my first point guard off the board would be magic johnson i mean look at the nba today it is what it is because of steph curry yeah. i mean he he revolutionized this era of nba basketball so i think that it's it's really hard i think that they're neck and neck right now if steph wins another championship it's over it's a lock he's number one i think I, it's I, extremely close I, i'd agree with him though i think if steph wins another it's a lock and yeah. I, I, even if he doesn't win another, if he gets another mvp i yeah. think it's a lock. Yeah, i think any any big Either MVP or chip, it's a lock. I, I completely agree. But I think it's extremely close. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I I already think it's close. And, and obviously, Steph has years to play. So if I had to predict, I think when things are all said and done that he'll be there. But he's just barely not there for me yet. But, I mean, it's, it's really, really close. Because the thing about Magic Johnson is, and how do you evaluate this, if he never had to leave the NBA, yeah, I mean, it, Steph would be further away. Because he would have won another couple championships, we, we, most likely. We talk about how Steph revolutionized the game. We weren't really around to see how Magic revolutionized the game. Yeah. We weren't. We weren't. Well, watching. we know that before Jordan. He, I mean, he was the was, he was the face of basketball. That's what I'm saying. So, so we we know that, but we didn't we didn't get to like we got to watch the NBA physically change with our own eyes. We right. got to see Steph Curry. And the way he plays and the way that Golden State Warriors team played during that dynasty, we got to watch that literally change basketball. We got to watch that literally affect the way a guy like Trey Young plays. If Steph Curry didn't exist, Trey Young may have never started shooting threes like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he may have never even thought to do that. Like, with Magic, we can say before MJ, it was Magic, yes. But we didn't physically watch basketball before Magic and basketball after Magic. Right, but to be fair, I, I mean... I, and there's no question that Steph's impact has been bigger. 
But I don't think that don't that means that, we I, can't evaluate Magic as a player. See, I don't know if you he, can necessarily he, he, say that Steph's impact has been bigger. And, and are I you, certainly would say and, so. And when you when you're talking about best point guard of all time, are we talking about impact on the is impact on the game part of best point guard of all time? Best well, point guard of all time should be stats and performance. Correct. That's right. Like like right. I, I which is which is which is the reason why I still have Magic where he is. Me but too. the thing is, if Steph gets another, like we said, of any of these various accolades, he will just have too much of a resume. But I, honestly, I think he may have to win another MVP. Yeah, because Magic had five. Mm-hmm. Magic had five. Well, and I, don't I mean, have, that's a, that's I don't a whopping. To, I also don't have total points in front of me. At the same time, Steph hasn't played as many games as Magic. Well, actually, no. I think they're around the same now. Because yeah. Magic only played ten years. There you go. He won. He won championship in half of his years and MVPs. So I, I mean, I think it's still Magic, but I think it's minuscule. But I mean, I, when I say most of my friends, I mean a lot of my good friends from home would already believe that it's, it's Steph Curry it's, just based on the. Mi- do- I mean, I would say he dominates the game a little bit more. I have, but can you say that you didn't watch Magic dominate? Well, I, 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 I have You've done watched, extensive research. You have research. watched Steph Curry dominate the league for years. You have watched every. Yeah. Play, I'm sure you watched all the Golden State Warriors games in the playoffs because they were the best team in basketball. And I'm sure everybody that was alive during the Lakers era watched every single game, every single playoff game Magic Johnson played. And I'm sure they would argue against you. Like we really don't. That that's the hard part. You know what I mean? I think the the crux of the argument is the fact that Steph makes threes and threes are worth more than twos. You know what I mean? So who has more value? Maybe you know you could maybe argue that the fact that Steph is shooting shots that equal three points and Magic was consistently making twos. I mean, that's the only argument that I see in my head. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that personally, like an underrated part of the argument is is the defensive side of the ball because I just think that he Magic is just such Shut leaps down. and yeah. bounds a better yeah. defender. And I think that that matters a lot. I mean, blocks, rebounds, everything. Like every, nearly everything you could think of even, besides even, shooting even, a ball. Even what <laughs> doesn't show up on the stat sheet. You know what I mean? Even just being that court general, being that tall presence, being that massive speed that can just rumble down the court at any time. I mean, I think it's a massive, massive factor in this argument, honestly. But again, Steph does move probably as much as Magic did back in the day. He just moves more off the ball than he does it. You know, laterally east to west, but yeah, or north south. Excuse me. Yeah. So Magic was the regular season MVP three times. Sorry. So M- M- finals MVP. Finals five M- M- MVP three times as well. In ten so years, he, he was MVP three times in a yeah, finals. MVP but he won five yeah. championships. Yes. In yeah. ten years. So and I mean, dude, like, come on now. You're gonna already say Steph's better than him? I don't think you can. I don't think so either. When Steph's career is over and it's all said and done, sure. I don't think so either. I mean, obviously, every kid that is under, you know, 14 or 15 is going to say Steph Curry is the best point guard of all time. But statistically, I mean, look at that. Ten years, three MVPs, three finals MVPs, five chips. Yeah. You can't argue with those numbers. Yeah. All right, so I think we'll uh, move on now. I'll throw a couple more uh, short NBA things. So just to recap a little, um, in the All-Star game, they named, uh, due to the 75th anniversary of the NBA, they named actually the top five, 75 players, Sorry, top five. Top 75 players in NBA history. And it was not a bad list, but I certainly think that there were some hiccups. So first, I thought we'd look at the top 10 and see if anything in that direct top 10 may have fell off or, you know, should have been switched in any way. So the way that they did their list was as goes. Michael Jordan at the top, followed by LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Oscar Robertson, 
and Kobe Bryant. So most notably, um, you have Russell over Bird, Duncan, and Bryant. You have a Robertson over somebody like a Hakeem. And I think that the top three most knowledgeable basketball people would agree would go MJ, Bron, then Kareem. Mm -hmm. So my question to you guys is if you see anything, you know, hugely wrong with this, maybe anything minuscule you guys just think can't be the way that it is. If you want me to read over it, I'll read over it once more. Yeah, go over it. MJ, Bron, Kareem, Magic, Wilt, Bill Russell, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Oscar Robertson and Kobe Bryant. And I just want to say, I'm really surprised they got Oscar Robertson in that top 10. Yeah. Not because, and I'm not saying I don't think he is, but I, they really snuck him in there. Um, I, I guess my biggest glare is like, is Shaq not top 10? And I, I, and I should have said, I meant to say Shaq when I said guys that notably yeah. were not on. Is he not even in the top 75? <laughs> no, no of course. He's probably, sure. 11, like, he's probably 11th or 12th. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But, um, I, for me, I think Tim Duncan above a guy like Shaq is obviously. Tim Duncan, Mr. Fundamentals. Don't get me wrong. Like, love me some Tim Duncan, but in terms of best basketball, like, pure talent and, and power, I mean, Shaq has, I feel like Shaq has to be in the top 10 for me at least. And, like, do we do we think that Kobe's a little low? I, mean, I don't know if number, number 10 does him, does him right. I don't know. It just doesn't really seem right to me. Where, you, where, do, you, where do you think he fits? I, I, don't, I don't, it's hard. I don't know if, was, uh, was uh, Tim Duncan really better than Kobe Bryant? You think so? I think that Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant is probably like the hardest debate among specific players because Duncan just barely one ups him in like a bunch of categories in terms of um, chips and finals MVPs and all that stuff. It's just, yeah, he barely one ups him, but like it's hard to say that he was a better basketball player than Kobe. But where it gets hard is that I truly, genuinely feel that Tim Duncan gets underrated generally. By the NBA community, by fans, younger fans mostly. So you think I don't think that because he was fundamental was anything to take away from him whatsoever. I think Kobe, Kobe in a way was also extremely fundamental. Justin, he's not a big, you know what I mean. So it doesn't it doesn't look as as slow and as you know kind of blocky as Tim Duncan does. I mean, not to say that Tim Duncan looks slow and ungraceful, but you know it wasn't the most beautiful basketball you've ever seen in your life. But Kobe's just a little bit smaller and has a little bit more range of motion, especially at his position, to make flashier plays. But a lot of what Kobe did was extremely fundamental, especially coming from Michael. I mean, Michael is the king of fundamentals, at least in terms of, like, the post. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it doesn't look the same because, again, they're smaller guys and they have a little bit more ability to be flashy and jump around a little bit more. But I'd say they're, they're all pretty fundamental players at the end of the day. Well, just to let you guys know, the next few off the list, and this is not in order, uh, besides who we had was... Having, of course, Shaq, Hakeem, KD, Curry, and Jerry West were like their next. Okay, KD, KD over Curry? That wasn't in order. This is just order. by tier. But I, I, I think that I would say those are obviously the names that are kind of on the brink. Yeah. I, I think guys like Giannis will be there one yeah. day on the brink of the top 10. I don't think he'll crack it. But anyway. Um, you don't think Giannis will ever crack top 10? You don't think nah. he has a chance? I think, I, I think he'll end up between 10 and 20. Right. I think he can get up to like twelve, and I think so he could never, be as you low. You never see him passing a guy like he'll be around like fifteen. Yeah, around. yeah. So. I, I think he'll win another. I've, I mean, I don't know if we want to spend all this time on yeah, Giannis, but I think he'll win a couple more of everything. I don't think he's going to be a guy with more than four championships. Okay, I all think right. he'll get, have like three. Okay, and I think he can win another say, MVP say, or two. Okay, say he got to six championships and won two more MVPs. Where do you have him? Well, that would make him a four-time MVP, 
and a six-time champion. And, that sounded, and I'm assuming that he's going to win at least four or five of those finals MVP awards, that sounded, obviously. That's sounding like top ten. If that was the case, he'd have to be. Gotcha. All right. But I, I, I don't think he'll get there. All right. A name that was really interesting. So, and and I think I'll, I can bridge right in. I mean, I guess there was. I mean, did you guys have any direct problems? Do you think? I mean, honestly, for me, I don't even think you have to have any positional requirements. I just wouldn't put Oscar Robertson over Shaq. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even like try to get nitpicky with Tim Duncan and Shaq because I think they're really close. But I think Oscar Robertson maybe just. I mean, not obviously a triple double master, a great player, but. Just kind of how Bill Russell, you kind of you look at his thirteen championships with a little grain of salt. I think you generally look at Oscar Robertson with a s- small grain of salt. Not that he played in the forties; he was obviously more sixties, seventies. But I just think top ten, just barely a little too much. I'd have him yeah. like twelve or thirteen. Probably me too. But I think that's also because we're a victim of the fact that we haven't really, we didn't get to watch him play as much. Right, but I think we're all. I think we. I mean, I think that me. Per- I've purposely educated myself on older players, and yeah. I think that Shaq's. Dominance might have been a little too much to to leave him out of the top ten, just based on what he was able to do. I would agree. I think I think Oscar for I mean, you got to remember Shaq. Everyone likes to like kind of you know shit on Shaq for like not having the best end to his career. He still had twelve years of being incredible. I think I think he had eight years of being incredible in the last four were good. I would no, I, I mean. Yeah, I guess incredible, strong word for the yeah, Heat. He started getting a little fat. I mean. But, I mean, I mean, he played well. Yeah. I mean, still, I mean they wouldn't year, have won the his championship his first without him. year with him. the Heat, he played extremely well. Don't get me wrong. But, again, I don't... But they needed him, though. But, they how, needed but him. how long did Oscar put up triple doubles? You know what I mean? Probably 20 years. But he, he went from Sacramento to Milwaukee. I think he spent over 10 years in Sacramento. And right, in but Milwaukee. I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that... Like he, I think he averaged triple doubles, but I don't know where he ranks... Like all time stat wise, like let's just see, like how close is he to like a? I mean, yeah, like he, for example, like he didn't average a triple double until his, like he had a bunch of years where he didn't. True. Uh, I'm looking at it now. I mean, he didn't have, he had like eight seasons with like less than seven rebounds. He only started rebounding for like the random, randomly. But anyway, um, I would just have him barely out. And the last question that I'll ask before we move on from the NBA is, who do you think was the biggest snub? And, you know, people were talking about Clay mostly. Easily. Um, another one on there, and a really interesting one that I, I was just looking at. Like, there's a, a list here of underrated, overrated, who should have got in and whatnot. Someone's saying that Jokic should have got in now with his MVP. What do you guys think about that? Or you think maybe not yet? I don't know if he should have got in now. No. I don't know if I'm ready to say that. I'm, I'm even surprised that Damian Lillard got in. Yeah, like, we, we, talk, we, we talked about that a few minutes ago. That oh, was my bit, God. Yeah, that was a little bit shocking. I think, that's, I think a guy like Jokic and Lillard, I don't see them... Not yet. I, I think mean, I don't even know if it, I don't. Even, I don't think at the end of Jokic's career he's going to be a top seventy-five player of all time. I mean, no way he's not going to be a top seventy-five. You think he is a top seventy-five? He's already an MVP. He's like twenty-six. MVP. Okay, he's MVP once. MVP I mean, once. he could win another sh- one already. He shoots the ball extremely well for being a big. He's a great player. I just don't think he's. I mean, is he? Does he wow you? I mean, if, if anything, he should be in there over Lillard. What the hell's freaking Lillard done? Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't won anything. Well, me, I would say yes. Yeah, but Lil, I, mean, I mean, Lillard. No, he's he's you know, very good. Big shots. Yes, he's, in, he's very good. And again, he's stuck with Portland when they have had no chance of making the playoffs. What has he won though? He, yeah, but what? But I mean, <laughs> it, it's a double edged sword because you have you kind of follow them because you say, okay, why don't you move on to a better market where you go win a chip. But at the same time, you have to respect the loyalty and the fact that he's sticking to where he got drafted and he's doing his best to build something up there. I think at this point he's given up. I, or he'd be smart to. I don't think there's a chance he wins a chip in Portland. But, 
I mean, I, I do respect the guy for staying there for so long, and I think that definitely plays a role in it. Because if he was more of a selfish player and he was looking more for, you know, championships, he could have left by now, and he probably could have had a couple chips under his belt. But I don't know. Clay Thompson, three championships, one of the best shooters of all time, and he's not. Yeah, Ray Allen. I mean, like I love Ray Allen. Like, but I, I think about it, and I'm like, jeez, man. Yeah. Like Ray Allen was a great shooter. Ray Allen's got a lot of chips. Ray Allen was, you know, and this is no disrespect, disrespect to Ray Allen. I, I'm a Boston fan, but I think about it, and I'm like. At the end of the day, when Clay Thompson's career is said and done, he's better than Ray Allen, to be honest. Like, yeah, in terms of, like, I don't know what Ray Allen did. Well, I don't even know if you have to look at a guy like Ray Allen to try and take off necessarily. Well, I do, because I look at, well, again, one of the best three-point shooters of all time, but I, I think Clay well, is going to... he had a whole career before he was just a three-point assassin yeah. only. I mean, he had a, he won a dunk contest. Yeah, that's fair. True. I mean, he, he was a fantastic all-around player for the first seven years of his career. The Sonics. I'm not thinking, see, I'm not, see, you're right, but I'm not... Sonics and the Thunder. The way see the, see what's in my head is a Boston We're not guy. the thun- Thunder. Yeah, well, the Sonics uh, yes. became the Thunder, but yeah. he yeah. was on the Wolves too. Yeah, yes, for a few years. No, he was, uh, was he only know. on? You think about KG in the Wolves, eh? Dude, KG was twenty first on that list. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. Can we name some guys after twenty one, or is that? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at like, please. I was just looking at like the takeaways from it, which I'll pull back up. Ray Allen played in uh, uh, Milwaukee. Bucks. There you go. Yeah, Milwaukee, Seattle, Boston. That's what I thought. Miami. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, let me just read this here because they had like who who was too high and who was too low. Low. And someone had KG for too high. Um, twenty one definitely sounds too high to me. I don't know. Who, wh- and and by the way, K- K- KD was twelfth. And you have a problem with that? No, but I'm saying this guy said he was too high. I have zero. I, I think KD could be even higher. And Curry was 16th. I think that's... Well, who do you think's better? Like, I'll turn it to you. KD or Curry? Who would I rank higher on a list? Yeah, I'd rank KD higher on a list 100%. I mean, that's so... I mean, I think that's a fantastic question. I think... I mean, I think Curry's probably like 13th instead of 16th if, if, if KD's 12th. But I mean, it is so unequivocally difficult, I think, between the two of them. Because I, they've literally done like almost the identically same thing when you look at pure accolades. But they're so different. KD, I'd say KD's been good for longer in his career because Curry needed more exactly. time to get going. Yep. KD also did go to join him. But it's that's the, the other thing. Yeah. 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 It's, that, that's really tough. To you know look what's at. sad about so KD hard. is that move. That move, although it doesn't define his career, in 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 some ways that that move to Golden State really does define his career, in, in the way that he. Especially if he doesn't win now with Brooklyn, because yeah. because you're putting your hands out, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not you're not stoic. You're not graceful. You're not you know just doing your thing. Now you're you're asking. You know what I mean. You need, and that's like for whatever you know. Again, I don't want to make fun of KD, but that's just weak to be honest. And I think that move kind of changed the narrative of his career and kind of changed his narrative as a person, at least in the public eye. But. For me, it's KD, just for his longevity and the amount of time he's played. I mean, he dominated in OKC with Russ and James, not really James Harden, but dominated at a young age. So Connor seems to lean towards I, Curry. I, I, I'm, I'm really leaning towards Curry. Why, Connor? Us. Just, uh, I mean, it was it was his team that he won with, and then Durant was brought in. So, I mean, it was still Curry's team at that point. Uh, just, but KD, I mean, just might be just how can he, he might just outlast him because of how much better of an all around player he is. And how yeah. can you how can you not think about OKC Durant? I mean, like this guy MVP Durant, yeah, MVP, like, unanimous MVP Curry. 
first unanimous okay, MVP. Durant, just a year Durant, later. Durant so, looked like a spider monkey. Like, like Durant's MVP year, you didn't know whether he was driving or he was pulling three. And it was like, again, I don't want to sound stupid or go too deep into it, but he was a monster. Like, it, was, it was good. Like, it re- was really, 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 re- and this is with a, a high caliber. And he honestly probably Russell doesn't Westbrook. get enough credit because of how good LeBron was at, at that time, too. Exactly. He probably didn't yeah. get as much credit and the as fact he should You're sharing the shine with a guy named Russell Westbrook who was in his prime at the time. You know what I mean? And you're still putting up that MVP season. Yeah. But I, you, you can't take away from Steph the unanimous MVP and, again, and shooting ability. But for me, it's KD. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say KD, but I kind of have to now at this point. So fair enough. Yeah. And just one more thing on the NBA. Just another snub that I think no one talked about and really should have. Dwight Howard didn't get on this list. Yeah. Dwight Howard won three Defensive Player of the Years, and he was really, he was a monster. Really, really, really good. Superman. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's another tough one. Like, yeah. I, I mean, think about it. Like, for example, it's so hard to compare positionally, but like. You have a guy like Lillard, and then you have a guy like Dwight, who both did, quote-unquote, nothing. But the truth is, Dwight maybe has done more in his career than a Damian Lillard. Dwight's he brought that Magic definitely. team to the finals. He's definitely. played longer, too. I mean, oh he's played God. way longer. Dane's career isn't done. Dwight Howard, Is Dwight Howard still playing for the Lakers, or is he done? I don't know where he is. Either, I think he's playing somewhere. Philly? Is he in Philly still? Let me look. Either way, Dwight Howard's career is basically over, and... I think he definitely deserves to make it over a guy like Willard just for uh, the fact Lakers. that he's the Lakers, yeah. yeah. Purely, purely for the fact that he seniority won, and again, three, and something three to be said. I mean, Dwayne Howard was the first pick in the draft, and from the from the time that he came there, initially, he was their best I mean, player. He did not. I mean, he was not only was he the best player. He, he brought them to an NBA Finals appearance. Yeah, and they sucked. Yeah, yeah, they sucked. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's like oh, no, no one talks about Dwayne yeah. Howard, but they should. It's sad because the, like. I feel like certain- and that whole stupid transgender thing is gonna like what? leave a little Whoa. scar on him. But no, I'm just saying like the way people look at him. I'm just saying I'm not like I commenting mean- on the specific incident. I'm just saying you know people now look at him as kind of like a meme. But he really was one of the best centers in the league for yeah. a long time. I, I mean agree. the best probably. Yeah. For about five years. Yeah. To be honest, right when Shaq started not getting good, he came right in, so and he was probably the best center. Is, in the league. That, is that your biggest snub on the list? I actually think no. there's a scenario where I could see this as a bigger snub only if they are looking at it positionally. I don't know if the amount that if they took a certain amount from each position, it seemed fairly even. I doubt it. Was was Jokic on the list? No, no. So so let me ask you this: Who would you rather have been on the list, Jokic or Dwight Howard? Dwight. Dwight Howard. I was well, just Jokic was just an option of someone they said yeah. because you know he just won his MVP, obviously. But the way I look at it is like when you look at a career. And you look at what's been done up to this point in history, perhaps, and I'm not sure I have to do a little more research on it, but I actually think Dwight might have been the G, like, but then, I mean, Clay's a three-time champion. So it's one of those two. And it's 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 awfully close, I reckon. All right. Wait, Fair hold enough. on. Tracy McGrady didn't make the list? He didn't make it either. By the way, but if that's only because, like, literally, he was so injury-prone when you look at his yeah. stats. His like career stats look like an average player because he was just so good oh. for like six years. I'm gonna say that hurts, bro. I want I, I like really want to know how Damian Lillard got on this list. Over it's, T-Mac? It's, it's like really bothering over T Mac over over Kyrie Irving also. I mean, Ky- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, Tony <laughs> Parker to a lesser extent, even like my it's God. tough yeah. too. Wow, you, you got to look at it like there's guys like Dave Cowens. 
that have to be on this list. Yeah. And Pete Maravich and players that have to be and deserve to be, frankly. So it's it's hard. I mean, obviously, any of the names that we're saying are going to be between 75 and 100. And they're right there. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's tough. I, I, there's a few names on there that we're considering not to be on. But um, I think we're ready to move to our fun topic now Oof. to close things out today. Yeah. We have, in the spirit of the radio, in the spirit of announcing and broadcasting, we are doing a top five. We're doing top five sports broadcasters, sports announcers, whatever you want to call it. For ourselves, our favorite. Yeah, it's, so a, personal, it's a personal list. This is not like, you know, like... Statistically, who's the best? So I can't really. I don't really think you can measure it statistically anyway, but um, it's a personal list. So we're going to start at five. Jacob, I'm going to start with you. Who do you have as your fifth best announcer of all time? Right, because, you know, I have guys on here that I have on more so due to my personal connection with them and then guys that I just think are so unbelievable at their jobs. They kind of have a mix of both. Yep. Fifth for me is going to be a guy that mainly just entertainment factor Grew up on him. Say what you want about him. He says a lot of dumb stuff, of course. But I grew up watching Stephen A. Smith, and I still can watch him. Um, I think he's genuinely funny most of the time. I think sometimes he can be corny. I mean, as a Knicks fan, just showing that I'm always looking at I have him in the fifth spot. I think there are guys that probably like might have a little more, you know, God-given talent perhaps. But I, I think that he is, is really good at what he does and his consistency over the last 15. I mean, he's been around 15 years. Yeah. It's something a lot of people don't know, and he's still obviously probably the most popular in terms of the uh, on-air, like, you know, TV guys. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I have met fifth. I All think right. that's a reputable. Connor? Yeah, so uh, I'm just going to say that my list is based on my uh, personal teams as well. Like, I'm going to have guys up there that maybe some people have never heard of before, but number five for me is Al Michaels, just because he's been around for so long. Such a le- uh, legendary voice. We don't know if his uh, career is coming to an end soon. Uh, we don't know if they're going to break up. Uh, Sunday night football and go in a different direction, but Al has been unbelievable. Made hopefully some great not. calls. Yeah, hopefully not. But yeah, um, Al Michaels, Sunday night football, um, many other things. The uh, miracle on ice, the call oh. was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Michael's number five for me. So my five unpopular opinion Tony Romo. I love me some Tony. I don't know why. I think it's because he predicts the plays before they go on. And I'm kind of the type of guy when I watch football, I like to. Read the you know the offense and read the defense and predict what's going to happen before and I love when Tony calls it right before it's about to happen and I just think he's genuinely really good at his job. Um, for guys like you know past players that have, have come under broadcasting, I think Tony has done it seamlessly and I think he really is one of the most naturally gifted broadcasters I've ever seen and I think that definitely has something to do with the amount of football he's played and his vast knowledge of the game, especially from the quarterback position. Um, but, yeah, my five is Tony Romo. Again, maybe unpopular, but I just really like how the guy calls the games, and I really like when he's calling the game. So, yeah, that's my five. Um, at four, I have Marv Albert, who uh, is someone that, that, that my dad yes. my dad specifically <laughs> yes. and I always have talked about. I mean, he is quite literally, non-negotiably, the voice of the National Basketball Association. No I mean, it's just when you connect a sport to a voice, it might be his more than any other, whether it's him calling Jordan all the way through to LeBron, all the way now to Doncic or whoever you want. He has literally grown old with the NBA. He's been there for over 40 years. He's an astounding uh, part of the... He, he just He's a part of the league. He really is. And, uh, you know, obviously gets about only like a small fraction of the amount of games he used to get. He used to get every playoff game. He used to be the main guy. Now, obviously, he's into his 80s. And his son, uh, Kenny oh, Albert, is, is really good, too. Um, but, you know, just a great voice and, you know, indicative of, you know, the, the NBA. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Albert does all four major sports. 
which is unreal. Yeah. But number four for me is Sam Rosen. I mean, I I grew up listening to him. He's still going strong. Yeah, he has his hiccups here and there on the air, but oh yeah, just just like hearing his voice. Um, and he just loves the team. He loves the team. He wants them to win more than anything. He's not just there for. I mean, he has a great job, but he's also like a real fan of the team, which is really nice to hear. So, you know, having Sam being in his 70s, still interacting with fans. Jacob, I know you had a nice interaction with him yeah. uh, early in the preseason. He's just an unbelievable person, unbelievable broadcaster, and hopefully he's there for a, a couple more years. So, so different NBA announcer. I had Mike Breen for the bang, of course. Yep. Yep. Love love the call. I mean, it's my probably my favorite call in NBA history, especially the Curry shot against OKC. Just kind of <laughs> honestly made me start watching basketball again. Uh, during that playoff run, it was a time where I really wasn't interested in basketball, and I think that call and that game in general and that shot by Curry kind of relighted my fire and made me a little bit more interested in the NBA than I was before. So Mike Breen just kind of holds a little bit of a special place just for that call and that, uh, that moment specifically for me. So that's my four. Jacob, your three. Um, so I have my definite top three and it's, and these guys are, like I said, you know, some guys, you know, my Stephen A and I mean, Marvel Albert, Albert, of course is a great, but these three are really like three of the greatest ever. And they're various sports at three. I had Doc Emmerich. Yes. Thank you, baby. Connor's favorite. Yes. Payne loves him too. Anyone that likes hockey, honestly, likes this guy. Uh, <laughs> another guy who's just the voice of their sport. Um, obviously, hockey has a few other guys that have gotten big games over the years, but he is just synonymous with so many great plays in NHL history. And just his ability, you know, a lot of broadcasters are kind of either really good at the talking side or really good at, like, the dramatic call side, and he's really, he really good at both. So which is something that's like, pretty rare. I feel like his talking, I have him on my list, so I don't want to talk too much, but I feel like his talking is dramatic in and of itself. He's like unreal. His, just his, like, just normal, call, especially playoff hockey, mm-hmm. just him normally calling the game, just his voice is enough to bring that, like, ominous pressure feeling of just, like, I don't know how else to explain it, but I completely agree that he has that perfect blend, and it just works so so well. But, Connery. Yeah, uh, number three for me is uh, Mike Breen. Um, obviously, growing up with the Knicks, uh, hey. and, and now he's the voice of... Um, national games as well. Um, I, I really don't think that I would be a Nick fan without Mike Breen. He is unreal to listen to. Mm-hmm. He makes every game feel like a playoff game. Even even when the Knicks are going nowhere, he makes it seem that this is like the most important game of the season. So uh, Breen for me, number three. Jacob, you're number three. Um, my, number, no, my number two, two now. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I had Al Michaels at two, and you know it, it is really high. And I, I don't think that he is as much of a dramatic. At this point in his career, at least, obviously, he was earlier on with the Miracle on Ice Call and other stuff. But I think what really what sets him apart is is two things uh, from other people. One, it's his consistency. I feel like I've never once been listening to him and had any type of like, what did he just say yeah. or like, what was wrong? Like, totally agree. never like, totally agree. Yeah. You you feel like he's just like it's like listening never to a, it's like listening to a song. Yep, like that you already know. Like it's you like know preset. it's gonna be good. It's like a robot it's gonna be perfect. Timing. He doesn't yep. mess up ever, and he can call a big game and he can call. A little game. Like, he could call from the Super Bowl, as he did this year, all the way down to a regular season snoozer and do a decent job. So, um, he's number two on there for me. So, I skipped myself for three. I also had Al Michaels at two, and I think you wrapped it up pretty well and summed it up as well as I could, so I'm going to leave it at that. My three was Scott Zolak and Bob Soshi. You probably have no idea who those guys are. They are the 98.5 guys that call the Patriots games. Scott Zolak's voice makes me happier than, I don't know if, like, this not only Scott Zolak, but the combination of the two. I call listening to them call Patriots Super Bowls for years since I was 
five years old, since I was one years old when Brady won his first. I mean, they have just been with me my whole life, and I would never want to hear anybody else call a Patriots game than Scott Zolak and Bob Soshi, and I mean that wholeheartedly. So that was my number three, and obviously I had Al Michaels at number two, but Jacob covered that. So, Connor, you're number two. Yeah, so uh, Jacob's going to know who this is. I'm not sure about Peyton. Uh, Gary Cohen, for me, with oh the Mets, boy. is <laughs> unreal. I will, I will literally go on my phone on... I think every night and just watch Met highlights just to hear Gary's voice. He is unreal. I love his home run call. Mets fans listening know what I'm talking about. Um, he makes it feel like you're sitting in the booth with him. So, you know, I'm I'm watching Mets highlights every night just listening to Gary's voice, and uh, hopefully they can get this sort of um, lockout brag, bro. lockout done pretty soon. <laughs> you know, well, my number one is a bit more of a household name. <laughs> Uh, than Gary Cohen. If you want to talk about a guy that has done and covered many sports, how about a guy that has covered a Super Bowl, a Stanley Cup, a World Series, an NBA Finals, a PGA Tour, a NASCAR Final, boxing championships, every single thing you can imagine. And one of the only guys who has done something like that and has a reputation like that is Bob Costas. He has been doing the Olympics since 1988. He's done like eight different Olympics. He's done, like I said, the championship for every different sport. Unbelievable voice, cool, calm, collected. Still does a show in Studio 42 for the MLB where he talks about the regular season. From that all the way to gold medals and everything in between. I think Bob Costas, not only is he he my favorite, but when he is all said and done, might be known as the greatest broadcaster of all time. I hate to say this, but I'm now... Think, I, I did not think about Bob Costas, and I'm really... I mean, just, you're just looking at him on a TV and thinking about his voice is like... Per- I mean, it's just... Yep. Mm. It's just some. It's something like that. Many people don't really can't it's really. It's almost create. nostalgic because he's been doing it for so long. It's yeah, like yeah. Al Michaels, where it's almost. It's like you're listening. And the to, versatility is absurd. It's like you've heard it before. You know what I mean? It's that feeling where you listen to it. and It's like this guy's not even talking. I feel like yeah. I've heard this a million times mm-hmm. before. But yeah, mm-hmm. you can go on to your one. Uh, Mike Emmerich, number one for me. Yep, easily. Hey Doc. Um, you know when I would I would sit on my couch during Ranger playoff games and just get lost with Mike Emmerich. He is so good at broadcasting. Uh, I wish that they would just bring him back maybe for the Stanley Cup final, oh, maybe too, for dude. the um, uh, Winter Classic. Yep. Just just something to get him back in the sport because Kenny Albert's great. I think he's the new lead um, national Kenny, TV Kenny's, announcer. Kenny's great. He's very good, but nobody will ever top no. Mike Emmerich when it comes to hockey broadcasting, not even close. My number one doc, too, dude. Like, There's not a guy... When I think about hockey broadcasting, it's not even close to a question. And with basketball, there's Breen and the other guy. I forget the guy's name. I forgot already. But uh, Marv Albert. Marv Albert. There's there's always a couple guys that you could talk about. With, with football, there's a couple guys you could talk about. With NBA, there's a couple, but with hockey, it's, it's Doc. It's it. Doc, and it's and, and the drop-off from there is massive. Again, Kenny Albert's great. Um, I'm trying to think of Bobby Melrose. <laughs> hey, good, good announcers, right? Yeah. But no, but I mean... Doc, when you're a kid, and I can completely relate, it feels like you're almost watching like a. It's almost like a video game. Yeah, it's, so, it's not even real. Like you literally don't. Even, it's like a. It's like a, a character is talking to you. You know what I mean? It doesn't even feel like a human is calling the game. It feels like something bigger and something better than human is calling it. And mm-hmm. that is what Doc Emmerich is. He makes you feel like you're listening to something not human, which is yeah, undescribable and undeniable, and definitely made my playoff watching. A whole hell of a lot better mm-hmm. when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and a whole hell of a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, and and when Emmerich was screaming for your team after them doing something well, there was there's no better feeling. I agree. Uh, I agree. I had a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Kenny Albert was one. 
uh, Chris Berman, who we actually got to see the other uh, Ber- oh, the other dude. day. Oh my God! Yeah, he's, 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 he's certainly top ten. He's re- he, he really yeah. is a, a Hall of Famer. As I really say. love Chris Berman too. Don't get me wrong. And one that I don't, I'm I mean maybe some of us thought about Vince Scully. I was, was thinking about him up there as well. Due to longevity, went there until he was what 95, 96 yeah, years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of these guys, like like what's so like inspiring about them is really their love for the sports. Like Chris Berman was telling us, like. You know, I have this job and it's amazing and, you know, the money is part of it and it's great, but I'm really here because I actually love sports. And I I think that it's really, like, cool that a lot of these guys seem like these, like, gods, like, when you look at the industry, but they're honestly, like, a guy like Bob Bob Costas is genuinely really, really obsessed with these sports and these players. How could you call a game that well if you weren't obsessed with the sport and the players? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, money only gets you so far, I feel. It's all about that passion, the love, and the drive. And I think the, the whole point of this discussion, the whole point of why these guys are so great, you know, is because you feel that passion, you feel that love, and you feel that drive for the sport in the calls. It's not just a call. It's real passion for the game. And that's what it comes down to in terms of call, uh, the broadcasting. That's really what it, what matters most. Perhaps one special call from each, from each of us uh, to end the show. One, one, one call that comes to mind, uh, you know, oh from my, any of these guys. Oh, my God. Um, whoop. <laughs> Berman right there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's in. Patriots win <laughs> for the 17,000th time in a row. That's all I got. You know, people from Massachusetts like to take as many opportunities as possible <laughs> to be mean about sports and to, you know, take a crap on everyone else. <laughs> but anyway, I was just thinking about, uh, I was just looking at my list here and thinking about Marv and on that Colby buzzer beater. Jacob, I'm honestly surprised you didn't have the caster on your list there. You know, <laughs> Michael K. <Kay. laughs> I, I, I love Michael K. Let me start with that. I love Michael K. And second off, I think that he gets a bad rap from, from you Met fans. <laughs> no, I, don't get me wrong. Listen, look, Mike, look. Mike, if you're listening, I watch your show every day. You're great. I'm just look, not a fan of the team. As much as I love Mike, he is his radio show is better than his, bro, his play-by-play. Oh, yeah. But... I think he's the best talk show. I mean, he, he might, of them. He, it might be better than First Take. It is really it's, good. It's, it's, it's perfect. Really I mean, good. the dynamic that they have is really good. They get calls from all New York athletes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they have a lot of relationships with the teams. One thing I will say about Kay, though, is that his like quality of broadcast also really depends on who he's with. Right. When he's with O'Neal, I think they do a really good job. When he's with like any of the David other Cohen? guys, David not Cohen, as a little good. bit. Yeah, I, I think Coney's good. Yeah. I, I, I like O'Neal, though, a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going into Monument yeah. Park. Congrats, congrats to the warrior. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I can say for sure is that their show is not better than The Cold Hard Truth because we are the best show on the planet here every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on WQAQ for your ears and your attention. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. We're sad we didn't get any calls, but you know what? It's all right. Maybe next week we'll get some more, and we'll have some fun with you guys. If you want to call in, we always put the number on our stories if you need to find it. So I think that's that for the night. Anybody got anything else for the people back at home? Uh, Go Rangers. <laughs> go right. Quinnipiac. Yeah, yep. go Quinny, though. Yes. That's, and that's all. That's all. <laughs> have Thank a great you so night, much. everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it.